You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Ajit, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jeremy Levine. And today's topic is pretty interesting, and we're going to talk about the role of business development representative or sales representative, either of them, they, they are called in various geographies in 2021. Now, this particular role has been there for a very, very long time, and it has been changing, evolving as per the times that we have seen through. Me, myself, was once upon a time a BDR, and there were interesting times to share. So, well... That's going to be the interesting discussion because I'm super excited to understand from Jeremy what are his thoughts, how is he coping with his team, and how has he managed to make a more sustainable model with them. I think that's really an important part when we look today in 2021, the role of a BDR. So stay tuned uh, with this particular topic. We are going to have some interesting insights coming your way. Also, I'm super, super excited to say that we are a part of now demand base. Of course, it's a new beginning for us. There's a whole lot of announcement and there's a whole lot we could talk, but I need to go back to Jeremy and, uh, you know, understand about today's discussion. Before I get there, a quick intro, which I love about him is he's a, he's a caring husband, a loving father. He loves music and he's a great food lover. Most importantly, currently he is a director of business development at WalkMe. He's former familiar and once upon a time artist now i need to correct this a little bit i won't say once upon a time artist right now i can see him right behind him it's exactly an artist room that i can really see now you cannot ask for more because i'm witnessing him there's a bunch of brushes some great paintings behind him and i'm just loving this whole setup so without wasting time jeremy good morning how are you doing today I'm very good, Ajit. Thank you for having me. And once again, congratulations. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing what the you know, demand base and demand matrix and, and your company coming together is going to look like. Um, the art. Uh, well, you know, when we went work from home, right, I was lucky uh, because I, I always keep an art studio in my home. And uh, not that I use it as wow. often as I'd like to, um, but it gave me a room to actually build an office out of. And as we evolved throughout the year, it was basically Definitely. I took down the, the art gallery and I, I kind of shifted art behind me and stuff, but I wasn't creating. Uh, and, I, you know, I think it was last summer. I'm like, you know, I need to start okay. painting again. And so uh, I started converting the room Super. back into like half studio, half office. And these paintings that I haven't touched for months, I, I got to admit it, like they were started in process. <laughs> I think I started them back in November. My daughter and I were painting together. And uh, okay. I got a couple of layers done and then they're, they're stalled oh, out. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but I need to work on them because uh, one of my side wow. projects that walk me is I built a, an employee art gallery in the office mm-hmm. and curate the show. And the next show is supposed to be artwork that you created during COVID. Uh, and those are what those paintings are for. And they're still not wow. ready to go. So I've got to pick up the pace so awesome. I can put the show together. Um, but thanks. <laughs> so a little bit about the art. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's really great because I'm witnessing it right away and then you should put it out. And I think you're doing a great work uh, when, when you talked about COVID and that art gallery that you're speaking. But Cheers. trust me, I'm loving your setup. I envy you for this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's a, it also makes it hard to go back to the office, right? They kind of have a kind of level of comfort and everything's here. And I've got, uh, you know, dry erase boards on the other wall and, you know, the whole like uh, working office going on, but uh, it's also, you, you want to be around people. Uh, so going back into the office, it's more hybrid nowadays. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So uh, I know now by no, we can love, we can understand the passion for your art. Also now I would love to know, or my audiences would love to know about 
let's talk about your journey so far. How has it been? What are you doing these days? What are you up to? How does things look like back? You're based out of Israel. Very beautiful country, I would say. And it's amazing things, amazing people out there. Yeah, I think so too. Um, So my journey has not been a straight line. And, and, you know, it it becomes even more evidence when you're prospecting, right? And you look at all these amazing people in these companies and you see they have this very straight line of where they've gotten to and how hard they work to get there. And, you know, and the phenomenal results at the end. True. I, I started with a degree in art, right? And, uh, you know, what do you do with a degree in art professionally? No, I'm really asking because I could not figure it out for so long. (laughs) I end up waiting tables or doing construction or, and I've done everything. Like I've waited tables. I worked in restaurants. I worked in wine, you know, and, 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 and then right as I was starting a career in the wine industry as a wine professional, um, I, all of a sudden, I moved to Israel, right? My wife uh, and I met here when I was here in my 20s as a, as a, on a residency as an artist. And uh, we met in the army because I, I became a citizen and got drafted and had to serve. She was my officer in charge of social work and finances. So nice little story there. Uh, we left okay. and uh, after yes. our son was born, we decided we're going to move back to Israel. So we came back here um, okay. and, and I had to start at the very beginning all over again. Like I had this really beautiful career track in the wine industry. Uh, my last role was like yeah. marketing director and wine educator in a cooking school. And, and I kept moving up and further along. Oh, and so I came back to Israel and Israel has this budding wine industry. And I'm like, yes, this will be great. I've got this skill set <laughs> I didn't have when I was an artist living here. Now I've got like real skills and found out my skills weren't worth anything because nobody wanted to pay for them. And, uh, and you know, there's a, there's a word in, in the Hebrew language, it's called kombina, right? And kombina is like, it's all about who you know, okay. right? You've got a connection. You know, I learned it in the army, right? You get a good job in the army, ah, he has kombina, mm-hmm. right? You get a, you know, so there's, so the, okay. the wine industry is exactly built on that premise here in Israel. Right. Anybody working okay. in it, they've worked their way up. They've got Kumbina. They know people, you know, which doesn't do the best for bringing in the best talent. Right. So the industry stays small. And I tried to break into it for years and it just it never happened. And as I'm you know, building a family and a life in this country, I as an English speaker with not a great grasp of the language, you know, you got to find other work specifically in English. And so I ended up in a lot of call centers and spent years in call centers. I, not my favorite kind of work. Um, I love the telephone, but the, you know, the industries I was working for were not great. And, uh, after my last role, I was like, all right, like I have to go into high tech. That's the only thing that will provide me a future in this country, a career path. Um, and there's truth to that, uh, especially as an English speaker. Um, and because, you know, um, Israel is startup nation, there's tons and tons and tons of, of, you know, high tech right. companies, uh, at all different levels, you know, startups to mid market to, you know, fully blown IPO, you know, public companies. Um, yes, there's, absolutely. there's a lot of work, right. But there's a huge catch. Okay. They don't necessarily want to hire somebody without SAS experience, right? So it's oh. CV after CV, right. after CV, and the only entry point without experience in high tech on the sales side is sales development or business development. Right. I, so I got lucky. I, one company called me one company, only one. And it was walk me. Right. And they sent me this assignment (laughs) and I I wrote those beautiful emails and did research for them and stuff like that. I sent it back and they're like, okay, we want to talk to this guy. Right. And went through the process. Um, and you know, there was, uh, there was a fight, there was a battle along the way of just getting the role, but in the end they gave it to me. And I didn't even know what I was hired for at that point. But after the fight that I put up, you know, I came in, I'm like, what am I doing? Sales development? Yes. But am I doing the inbound team or the outbound team? They're like, oh, no, no, you're outbound. Like, you're 100%. I'm like, thank you, okay. because I don't know if I could have handled the inbounds. Okay. <laughs> it's just uh, there's a certain level of monotony that I just, you know, yeah. I need to be a little bit more uh, creative with my work. Um, and and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Sure. I mean, it was starting off, we were is what I call the wild west. You know, there was a, they just started building the outbound team. They really had nobody with real skills on how to do that yet. And, um, 
and it was just kind of making it up as we go along. You know, the world was like our oyster, you say, right? We could go after anybody, anything. There was no strategy behind it. It was just like, bring in these two buying centers and, and come in, you know, and, and the guys before me, they're like, all right, prospect one or two people from each buying center and see, you know, and then go on to another company. And I start looking at these bigger companies. I'm like, but there's like 15 people in that buying center. Why aren't we going after all of them? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and I remember there was even rules around like, don't talk to AEs, right? Well, that doesn't make much sense, you know? And it started, I think the big shock is when I reached out to the new American AEs that just come into the company with the new SVP of sales. They kind of followed him over. And these guys were professional, right? And I called one of them up one day, a guy named John Michael Cotham, and said, hey, John Michael, I see that you're handling McDonald's. You know, you're assigned to it. I, there's nothing going on there. Can I work on the account as an outbounder? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. I'm like, great. Awesome. Is there anything else that you like from me? He's like, yeah, I'll send you a list. And like five minutes later, three different AEs in the US have sent me lists of accounts that they want me to go into all strat, you know, okay. and I'm just kind of guessing my way around. Fantastic. I, the next thing that happened was, I think it was, it was about seven months after I joined and I'd heard about it. They're bringing in this new hotshot VP of, you know, outbound, right? Um, a phenomenal gentleman by the name of Joe First came in. Uh, years of experience. Big, big guy, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> but every conversation with him was like getting an MBA, right? <laughs> I, you started hearing like talking in letters. Like I hadn't experienced that yet. Now I do that True. all the time. KPIs and ARR and all these different <laughs> letters and stuff like that. I, and so I started learning like, and then, you know, there was structure and strategy, you know, he said to me, he's like, I got to admit, like your, um, instincts were spot on, like talk to the AEs, how you're prospecting, everything you were doing was right. Let me just give you more structure, uh, and train you more. Um, and he did. And so I spent pretty much overall two and a half years, uh, as the, uh, as an outbound, uh, BDR with walk me. I, in my second year, I got um, top 10 uh, sales development people in the world by uh, Sales Hacker for the top 50 uh, in 2019, uh, which okay. was super, Fantastic. super exciting mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, and a total yeah. surprise and shock. <laughs> like, I don't know how this happened, but great. And, uh, and I kept, you know, working the role. And then, you know, then you start, you know, after about into two years, getting into two and a half years, it was like, okay, I got to do something different. I can't do this anymore. It's not challenging, you know, and this, I, I, basically you see that you've got a year and a half to two years on a good BDR, right? After that, they get antsy and it becomes automatic yes. and there's no challenge yeah. in the work anymore. Um, so it got to that point and we started talking about AE roles and stuff like that, but I, I love leadership. And so uh, my manager at the time, I, he decided to make me manager as he became director and I took over the team, uh, back in October, 2019. Um, now he was, uh, he left the company Fantastic. back in February, right before COVID hit. And, uh, next thing I know, I'm like, I'm running all of business developments, uh, teams in, uh, international. And I, I remember my first pipeline meeting, uh, where they were like, okay, outbound pipe, Jeremy, that's you. And I was just kind of like, Okay, I don't know how this happens, <laughs> and how Alice and I became the owner of the pipe. I was not, exactly. <laughs> and, and at the yeah. same time, sitting there with like the president, the CRO, you know, all these like top executives in the company, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm like, I've been prospecting these people for years, and now I'm sitting with them. This is crazy, yeah. right? And so, um, this past December, I think one of the greatest lessons I learned over that first year managing. And what it took to get to the director level was about ownership, right? And that was one of those okay. things I had to learn, okay? And that's, you know, and I had some executive coaching by one of the, uh, by the head of marketing. He kind of mentored me on the side and, you know, kind of taught me about you know, how to take ownership over the, the team and over the, the role and over the, the business unit as a whole. And, um, and I did. And, you know, and took directorship this past December and I'm just plugging along. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so it's, it's you know, the, yeah. the, the story of a 42-year-old uh, SDR and the journey that it gets them here. Because <laughs> uh, I had some catching up no, to do. This is, 
yeah and i think it is super exciting it is the way i would still call it and go back to my notion of calling it it's being artistic actually the way you are the way you scaled yourself and i think uh, being in sales or being in marketing you need to be that you need to be uh, the person who needs to grab opportunities once you have it right in front of the time which eventually you did it and i think i don't have to say you're the master of it basically <laughs> so well, i appreciate this, that <laughs> It was life changing. It really was. I and I'm extremely grateful every minute. I love it. And and I think, uh, you know, and I and I believe it today. You know, I really did win the job lottery. I mean, I won the lottery in love long time ago. You know, that was the one thing I got right. Screwed up everything else in my life until I was much yeah. later in my life. But now, like, right. I've, I've got the, the the career component down, and it's pretty exciting. No, no. Oh yeah, it is indeed. Well, I think then the the. the best question or the next question that strikes to me for you is then what's what is sales development or uh, SGR in 2021 of course from your perspective you did speak but in general from your team perspective and today you know I think there's a big question which I see where do they really fit in sales structure now so okay th that's a tricky question right because we have to define like what the difference right. between SDR and BDR is and it's not necessarily the same title in every okay. which company right um, when I look at BDR Absolutely. or you know the sales development as a whole is is handling you know one side is handling the inbound leads and one of them is doing the outbound outreach right the cold right. outreach now I, I'm strictly cold outreach True. outbound and that's the way we've separated within walkby okay. is that we've got the sales development team sits under marketing right? And they handle the inbound traffic generated okay, by marketing, yeah. right? And the outbound team, Makes the sense. business development team, we sit under sales, right? And we're partnering with sales on an account-based strategy uh -huh. of, you know, building out accounts uh, or, you know, striking into new ones. Uh, so what are we in the end? I, I think my favorite way to describe a BDR is that we're glorified door openers, right? Uh, we open the yes. door. Okay, to, to escort a future prospect or a future customer uh, into the company, you know, to meet us and, and hand them off to the, you know, the, I guess you'd say the waiter, right? Or the, you know, where like the hosts at the door of a restaurant, let's welcome you in. Okay. Uh, ask you a couple of questions. What do you, you know, yep. you want an English menu? You want a Hebrew menu? Do you want, you know, wine list? You know, how do you yeah. want your burger? And then hand it off to the waiter and, and they take care of the rest, right? And, and, and the whole meal of, of of purchasing software. Right. But I think it's so much more than that, right? To me, at least my drive to define, you know, define the BDR as a strategic asset to the sales team, that we don't have to be just glorified door openers, okay? That there's value across the entire mm -hmm. funnel that a BDR can bring. And, and even if the okay. company Makes is sense. not necessarily aligned according to the compensation, right? And that's where the trick is, right? The compensation drives behavior. Right. I still am a big believer that that there's more value to the BDR than just opening the door. OK, uh, you know, on a lot of different fronts. Let's start at the beginning. OK, first and foremost, BDR is at the forefront of messaging. Right. And when you're in a hyper growth company, OK, or a startup or, or any kind of thing where it's growing massively very quickly, you know, the, the messaging is constantly changing. Right. When I joined Walk Me, we were guidance and engagement. And then we became something else. And now we're DAP. And like, you know, it, and even during COVID, it was like we had to change our messaging every two weeks. Right. It was in the first couple of weeks of the lockdowns. Or like, we're like, we're going to talk about business continuity planning. OK, time's over. We can't talk about that anymore. Let's talk about work from yes. home. Right. And then, oh, wait, you know what? We're going to go back to this messaging here. And now we're going, you know, we've got this new feature that's driving everything. We're going to talk about that. OK, and so it actually puts us in a really yep. unique position in the sense that, you know, we're we're out there saying the messaging before anybody else. We're pitching before anybody else. And whether it's, you know, a short lemonade statement of, you know, why, you know, why the prospect, why the product, why now kind of questions. Right. Uh, or an elevator pitch. Right. We're still the ones that are saying it first. So we've got to be on point, not just to understand the messaging, right? But to be able to adapt and adjust it like that. Okay, so, you know, s s several of the core qualities I talk about when I talk about my team, we have to be adaptable, have to be incredibly agile, right? Proactive, okay, and efficient. Okay. 
right? Those are like the four qualities you need from a BDR, okay? Adaptability and you know agility. Those are like absolutely key because BDRs experience change more and, and feel it more than almost any other business unit, right? Because we're in sales and sales yeah, people go in I and out of the doors, agree. right? And leadership gets replaced. And, and you're always trying to figure out, do we want to put them under marketing or sales? I mean, since I've been in the company, marketing, sales, marketing, sales, I've been in both divisions twice, all in the same role, right? So it's, you know, there's always those questions of how you're handling those outbound teams, right? Where do they sit? So there's always experiencing right. change right? Territory realignments or, you know, I mean, even I think it was a, you know, I, I, I shifted regions like on the drop of a hat when I was a BDR. I went from North America to APAC. And what a radical change, right? Okay. I'm working nights to working early mornings. Exactly. I had to shift my entire life around. Yeah. Uh, and I think my first month I was like a zombie, <laughs> you know, it was like 7.30 a.m. and I'm on the phone and I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Uh, and it, you know, it's just so unusual. Exactly. Um, so that constant shift. I, I think it's culturally also difference. No, go ahead. I was just adding that there's yeah. a cultural difference also. Huge difference. The Huge. way people answer the phone and the way they like to share the information. Okay. Sorry about it. Go ahead. No, 100%. I mean, there's cultural differences, but also it was just the, the thing that hit me the first was the hours. Because, you know, most of the time, especially as an English speaker, I'd been working nights in this country. Before that, I was in, you know, restaurant business. So I was working nights all the time. And and I think it was like, you know, that first month that dawned on me, I'm like, I have never worked mornings before, like ever. Uh, And it was was very challenging for a while. (laughs) But I like it now. It's fine. True. I, I get that. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I think uh, you get you get used to it when you start connecting, I think. Uh, that's the key out here. And I think uh, you made a very couple of great points. The four things that you mentioned about adaptability or agility, I think that's really the critical aspect today because we are into a very difficult and a complex times. Things have been moving right now. And so is sales for anybody to everybody out there. Uh, also, as you mentioned, like, you know, they are the first ones the way messaging is been changing right now it's been like super fast and you really need to be adapting to it uh, and i think these are the people when i used to be a bdr i used to do sap sales the pitch didn't change for six months <laughs> yeah yeah six months i was into the same pitch with the same tone maybe just making my adjustments here and there so life was much easier than what i see today yeah okay so yeah. definitely uh, i couldn't take more to it and yeah. see but another thing that also makes the role so, very unique and that i love about the role is that it's mm-hmm. an activity driven role yeah and it's the only activity driven role really oh, yeah. in the entire organization right and that's when we talk about being efficient and proactive because it all comes down to activities right more phone calls you make more people you prospect more emails you send the more success you'll have period Right. And there's no there's no formula for it. It's just a fact. Right. So you need to be efficient and you have to be proactive. Right. And it's hard. It's hard today, especially today when we're all working remotely, when you don't have that kind of call center feel, you know, listening to each other pitch and, you know, kind of driving success across the team. And that's it's hard to recreate that outside of the office. Exactly. Well, uh, then I think also what comes to my mind is, you know, Jeremy, as I said, Times are tough and we've been normally seeing this uh, or this has been a pattern lately. There's always a decline in sales conversation. Yeah, because everybody and anybody is trying to be digital and trying to get hold of individuals. Right. So what does this mean for a BDR or managing a team basically of a BDR? Well, I don't I think you need to better define what you mean by sales conversation. Okay, because it's kind of a broad topic. So if you say a decline in sales conversation, you're talking about within the process? Because I don't Uh, see that that's true. Okay, interesting facts. Uh, Yeah, I think my point is towards, uh, say, uh, the opening of a tour, basically, today. 
has become little more critical than it used to be before much easier you pick a phone you had specific times i call like uh, in us if i'm calling like at exactly 9 am in pst time zone the chances of hitting the person or making him answer his while driving or something is more better than versus me calling him at exactly 905 where he's already in the meeting and he's not going to answer my phone so uh, there's that, truth to that from that perspective today I, yeah. again, it's, it's, so more ch- I think that's the point. And that's, the well, that's the thing. Like right now that we're all in, you know, remote working world, I don't think that is so true anymore. Right. I don't think there are, you know, I always okay. talk to my, my people, at least in training and onboarding and, you know, in enablement, we talk about how to schedule your day out. Right. And I always say, you know, you schedule around the hours that you call, right. The, the calling hours are something solid. Everything else is loose, right? Prospecting time or account development time or anything like that needs to be, you can do those whenever, but the calling time needs to be solid. But even then, it's not as true as it was before in the in the remote era, right? Because people are working longer okay. hours, okay? Maybe taking breaks in the middle of the day. Like, I know my days are pretty long. I can start in Australia yeah. and end in California, right? And somewhere, sometimes, you know, just you know, I'll take a quick disco nap and, you know, just put 15, 20 minutes down just to reset and then go back on to my day. Um, <clears throat> can't really do that in the office. Yeah. Uh, so I, without having pictures being taken of you and posted on Slack. Um, not that I have any experience in that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very much. <laughs> anyways. Uh, yeah, I have to. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it gives you a little bit more flexibility. It also gives you more flexibility with the calling. Um, but you know, but also there's the downside because, you know, because data doesn't grow on trees, right? We don't necessarily have direct phone numbers. And if you're not calling into offices, it makes it much more challenging today. So we need to open up new corridors of outreach, right? We can't completely rely on the phone is as important as it is. And you definitely, if my team is listening, needs to do their minimum dials on a daily basis, right? Uh, (laughs) But beyond that, you know, there's lots of other points of yeah. contact today, right? I Lots of other points of contact that we can find. Not, well, not enough, Great. really. Okay, I think that's a that's a very good point, that, uh, which makes totally a difference to the thought process that I had, because initially my thought process was because uh, the major aspect when you're a BDR, you're more of picking up a phone, trying to get those minimum dials been done. Then you get onto your emails, trying to schedule them at the right time again to make a reach out. Uh, I think these are two important strategies. So yeah, but I think I I agree to what you said. You just mentioned about something like skill set. Do you want to deep dive and recommend some skill sets for the BDR or that are been in practice from your side for the outreach? So, um, okay, there is a few that I would focus on. I mean, obviously, like phone skills is top priority. Right. Regardless of, you know, there's the side we just talk about not using the phone as much, uh, but the phone is is absolutely necessary. I still think it's great to engage people on the phone. And honestly, I think it's the funnest part of the role. Right. Nothing is more thrilling. Like you can get meetings or, you know, set up demos or whatever the, the, you know, whatever the process is for the company that you're working for. I, you know, through an email and yay, I got to, you know, but when you convert somebody on the phone that you've called cold. Like there is a real thrill in that, right? Yep. And that's that's the fun part, absolutely. Um, you know. And so yes. that's a yeah, absolutely, right? That's that's what makes the role fun, and that's what breaks up the monotony of the day. Um, like you got to be a researcher today, right? I you know beyond LinkedIn, okay, Sales Navigator. I mean, it's an incredible tool. Obviously, you got to know how to use it, but you know, going beyond that, right? One of the one of the things we started working on, uh, Raj Sundarasan, uh, who sits in Singapore, who's one of our, our senior leaders, uh, he brought up something really interesting and I learned about way too late because if I would have learned about this before, I would have used it. Um, strategic drivers of a company, right? Public companies will list their strategic drivers for 2021. Very easy to Google them and find them, right? And if you know how to do that kind of research and understand the language there, there's a high probability that the product that you're selling will fit into at least one or two of those strategic drivers, right? And what you're doing is you're actually building up, you know, a, a, a content 
for a customized campaign specific to the company that you're going after. It's a different approach altogether, right? When we're talking about customization of, of you know, content when you're sending out for outreach, um, you, know, you can customize to the prospect, you can customize to the company, but if the company is publicly, you know, publicly like listed their strategic drivers, you know for sure they've told their employees, this is what's driving our behavior for this year, right? And you can find the slot as to where you fit and, and customize the package. You can actually make your, your sequences and your outreach more efficient because you don't have to do customization for everybody. You've just done it all for one company, right? And everybody can be in the same, you know, messaging. Yeah. Um, so research is becoming incredibly important, how to find that kind of data and those little nuggets that you can create content based off of for your outreach. Um, becoming a master of LinkedIn is now incredibly, incredibly important, right? And they rank you, by the way, expert level LinkedIn, you know, you've got three stars or five stars or whatever it is because they gamify it to some degree. Um, but every BDR of my time, my team should be at expert level by now, 100% right? It is the new tool, okay? Especially in the way that we're working today because switchboards aren't transferring calls, right? If you don't have direct, uh, a direct phone number, you're going to have a really hard time getting a hold of somebody, right? I'd say maybe one in 10 companies will actually transfer calls nowadays. Um, exactly. And, and so LinkedIn has become this crazy tool, right? And, and nobody, I don't think anybody's figured it out yet. Right. It, it, there's no one formula that works. My approach has always been yeah. it's social media. Right. Keep it simple. Keep it human. OK. Don't come off uber salesy. That stuff is just good. Nobody's going to read that. Right. I, I mean, you can, you know, you write up, you know, oh, you know, we do this, this and that. And, you know, and, and provide incredible value to all of our, our customers, including your competition. You know, nobody's going to reply to that. Right. But if you just strike up a conversation, right? About something they wrote or about, you know, um, some of your research. Hey, I saw you guys are doing this this year. That's amazing. Are you part of the team that's, you know, rolling that out? Um, it's a different way of engaging, right? And I think that's where people get lost. They think of it as a professional social network and it is, but being part of that, like key words there is social network, right? People, you know, there is that kind of aspect. It's not Facebook for sure. And it's not, you know, any other social platform. It's it's definitely for business people, but it's still a social platform. Yeah. Right. And so you need to be more social, I guess you could say, or just, you know, more human, not so robotic and not so salesy because it's going to turn people away very quickly. Um, so working LinkedIn is, is definitely going to be a key to a BDR success nowadays. Uh, and that's the new skill set. You know, you can talk about how to compose emails and all the skills and, you know, actually creating content for outreach, but that's core, right? The new one is LinkedIn. That's, that's the new one. And, and getting creative with your outreach. I mean, we started messing around with like WhatsApp is a fun one, uh, you know, especially, you know, in, in countries that use WhatsApp and you've got a, a mobile number, hit yeah. somebody on WhatsApp with a message. It takes mm -hmm. them by surprise. Um, and there's all kinds of new stuff. They're doing video outreach Absolutely. and leaving videos. I think probably one of the, I had a BDR reach out to me, sent me a message on LinkedIn and then sent a, a voice recording. It's like, whoa, I didn't even know that was a feature. That's incredible. Right. What an impact. Okay. And, you know, and I, I actually sent them to Absolutely. my evaluator and said, listen, on my team, I said, listen, I want you to do exactly what you did with me. The same outreach tactics that you used with me. He's like, well, will you let her know that I'm calling? I'm like, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> absolutely not. I want this to be a surprise. <laughs> I want it to work. And I'm going to make you work for it. So she'll evaluate the software. Just, you know, start up the conversation exactly what you did with me. I want the message, the voicemail. I want her to see it. And I want her to share it with the team, you know, when it's coming from her or not from me. I, but that awesome. was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's pushing towards video. I'm not, I don't have patience for that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the mediums have changed, as you rightly said, and these are quite innovative. You really can uh, make a great touch point, which is not the human, but as good as human, basically, which makes a lot of difference out here. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I'm loving this whole conversation. So one quick thing also comes to my mind today. You know, uh, if you just look around, there's a whole hype about something called sales stack, Martic stack. Many things have been coming up, you know, which is to an extent uh, 
getting processes to an automation basically so do you think uh, is so or is, do you really find or how could the BD, bdrs basically bring value when there's so much of automation has been focused around or people are trying to adopt to newer technologies basically so i love this question um only because it's something <laughs> close to my heart right now i look uh-huh going back to efficiency right um yeah so this this quarter i, I kind of theme my quarter this this uh q2 as my efficiency quarter right and we're putting up enablement around efficiency okay and i think that you know i want to break it down into two different sections uh you have strategic outbound outreach and you have tactical outbound outreach right on the strategic side those are like your top level accounts right extremely customized messaging completely speaking to the prospect or the company, you know, deep research, deep understanding of the account, a complete, you know, integration with the account team and, you know, how you're going to work that account. Great. Right. That's, that needs to be, and you can't really automate too much of that. Right. There's, there's nothing to automate, uh, you know, beyond the, the, the sequences themselves. On the opposite end, you have tactical outreach, right. Which I think is much more of, you know, a spray and pray approach. But I also feel that it's necessary. And I don't think you can do one without the other, right? I think that a BDR today needs to be able to do both. We've always spoken as BDRs that you have like two different personas. You have what you call like a, a sniper and a machine gunner, right? The, the guy with the scalpel and the guy with the hammer, right? <laughs> That's kind of the way that I like to look at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, very strategic, you know, going yeah. after very specific personas, doesn't have a lot of activities, but has an amazing response rate and brings in the most relevant people, you know, in the pipeline is yeah. super solid. Okay. On the opposite end, machine gunner or the sure. sledgehammer, just spray and pray. Hopefully, because somebody comes in, um, lots and yeah. lots of meetings, lots of opportunities, not a great conversion rate on their pipeline. Right. And you can definitely see over time the difference sure. between the two. Okay. And I don't, you know, today, and, and I always say you kind of cater to your personality, but more and more I'm thinking that it's wrong. We need to be both. Right. And it's just a matter of how you deploy each of them. Okay. On one side, like I said, the strategic side, you need to, you know, be very, you know, aligned with your team, really focused on the messaging, really after the exact right people. Okay. On the tactical side, you know, automated, everything can be automated, right? Automated emails, automated messaging, you know, and just, you know, and, and also I wouldn't say automated prospecting, but more focus on group prospecting. Right. Instead of going after one company and taking the okay. whole company apart, uh, now I, I guess also I got to you know just kind of add this to the conversation. I have a product with hundreds of buying centers within one company, so it makes our prospecting a little bit different than the you awesome. know having like yeah yeah it's super exciting. It, yeah. it makes it super fun. Uh, and when I was you know like ah oh, you don't want to talk to me no problem I'll call somebody else they'll want to talk to me for sure. It makes it much easier when you get rejected. <laughs> exactly. I was a, yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> exactly. We follow so, that. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Uh, so <laughs> the tactical side, you know, is something that we're starting to develop now. I want it to be much more efficient, right? With complete sequences that are fully automated to each buying center, right? And when you prospect, you're prospecting multiple companies, one buying center at a time. And if you integrate those two together, the efficiency level should go up significantly. So they're producing, you know, working less and producing so much more. Uh, and that's the goal. And that's what I'm working on right mm-hmm. now. Uh, you know, the funny thing is I keep saying, well, we're trying to bring up the call numbers. And somebody said to me, well, how does the tactical side and the call numbers work together when you're saying automated sequences with no phone calls in them? I'm like, no, I'm not saying do one or the other. I'm saying you have to do them both together. And that's the key. Right. And, and I think it will be yeah. a radical makeover of how we you know, work if we can find a way to get them to do both at the same time. Right. Again, it comes to being efficient and proactive. It makes sense. No doubt. But about you can't it. pull the human component out. That's the thing. Right. It's sales. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, when I when I talk to uh, the leaders out there or when I see this hyper growth startups, you know, they're all about like, you know, let's automate this. Let's bring in this. Let's bring in that. But yeah, uh, maybe we are old school, but 
I still believe there's a lot as a human, irrespective of automation that you bring in uh, or how much sequences, processes that you built in. The moment you put a right place, right time human in that, the play becomes completely different and you see completely different results out of it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, no doubt. But you can't lose the human. <laughs> and I had a BDR that came to me and said, I'll just automate everything. I can yeah. do the work for everybody. I'm like, no. No, you can't do that. Exactly. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> work like that. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask my favorite question to you now about this whole thing is, I think the biggest factor for being a BDR is to keep yourself motivated. As you said in our conversation, you get that one call which strikes and says, hey, you know, I am up for a meeting. Send me a calendar. You feel like there's a whole lot of pump energy and air feeling like you're going to just be out there you know like a king so it's it's a different feeling altogether a bdr can understand nobody else can get that feeling <laughs> according to me okay it's it's actually more than a girl saying you yes oh i love you types it's it's more than that actually yeah i think that's the best analogy i could put forward look i i think the challenge of the bdr so there's two sides to it. You know, um, the BDR for the longest time okay. has been listed as kind of an entry level position. Right. And I think through through yeah. my experience and what, what I've been trying to achieve with my business unit is to elevate the role. Right. And it's from the beginning of our conversation. I talked about, you know, that there, we can look at the BDR as a strategic asset. Right. That they can do more than just opening doors. Right. And that we can, you know, we, we definitely want to elevate them to a higher level in a sense, right? There's, it, it's not an entry level role, at least in my business unit. Um, it can be an entry into SaaS, but I'll hire somebody with, you know, years of experience in another industry, right? To give them that, that break into the SaaS world, uh, just because I can see they have the potential. And, and it's the same way that I got in. I think the challenge and motivation comes from two different things. Uh, so, one side is being treated like it's an entry-level role. It's hard to keep motivated when the org looks at you that way, right? And I, again, working very hard to make sure the org never looks at us that way, and they don't, at least as far as I can see so far. The second thing is recognition, right? A BDR needs recognition for the work that they put in, right? A deal closes, everybody celebrates the AE, the account team, right? And the BDR that brought it in that, you know, spend, it, it's, it's like the... It's the deal clock, right? That's the, the big one, you know. Oh, this was converted, you know, from, from opportunity to close one in 90 days. It's amazing, right? But it took the BDR six months to get that person in, right? And that clock doesn't start at the beginning of that six months, right? It, it, it's, just, it's just when the opportunity is open after BDR has completed their work. So... Recognition is really important, right? We got to make sure that BDRs are visible. The more visible they are, the more that their wins are celebrated, the more motivated they're going to be, right? To do more, of course. Um, really strong team culture is also important. I don't have a lot of patience for lone wolves. Uh, and I really, really, really try to nurture uh, as a very tight-knit team culture. Everybody has their own territory. Everybody's got their own KPIs or, you know, everybody's got the same KPIs and targets. But for the most part, everybody's focused on their own areas. But when it comes together, like you should see my WhatsApp chats, you know, on the team, right? Somebody asks for help, five people answer. And I love it. Like, I don't even answer. I just want to watch people answer and see how they rea you know, react with each other. Even though I know what's going on and I can easily answer the question, I, I want to build that kind of generate that teamwork. And even if I've got reps sitting in Sydney and reps sitting in Israel, I want to make sure that they're generating that kind of culture and teamwork within the team. Uh, and especially now that we don't have the office, right? Because you can easily generate that motivation when everybody's on the phone together and when, you, you know, somebody wins and, you know, you've got, or even just listening to each other pitch, right? Did you hear what he just said? That was amazing. I, what did you just say? I got to somebody give me a recording of that. I want to repeat that. That was so good. Right. And you miss that. And that that's one of those things that's lost without having the, the office, you know, culture. Yeah. So how do you generate that? How do you continue True. that culture? And I think I hope 
that I've been pretty successful so far in generating that kind of culture with my team, that are working together as a team, regardless if they're all in different territories, right? Regardless if they're working on different accounts, that they come together and work and help each other. And even part of the onboarding program, you know, part of my program is that I want every single one of my new AE or BDRs to sit with every single member of the team, whether they've been here for two years or two months. You can learn something from everybody. And it also generates that kind of, you know, teamwork, right? And then you start to give them different focuses. So you can go to, you know, Lucy to talk about this. So you can go to Daniel to talk about Salesforce. So you go to, you know, Nancy to talk about, you know, outreach. That each one of them works around with the team, you know, Scott about having the executive conversation, right? And and Naftali about his first couple of months here. Just to learn, you know, you, you have something to gain from everybody. But that also builds that teamwork and that, that generates Absolutely. that culture. Um, and celebrate wins, right? You got to celebrate the wins. I add a little competition into the mix, right? I, you know, every team meeting, you know, who was top performer last week, really important. Right? Put up, uh, you know, somebody, I always love hat tricks, right? Somebody that can put in two or three intro calls in a day. That's a big okay. shout out on the group. Hat trick, you know, we've got three calls in for the day. It's hard, really hard to do. You know, I, that's another way that we try to generate that kind of team culture and that motivation. Um, hopefully it's working. It seems to be working. It's been a, it's been a tough start of the quarter, but we're getting there. It, it took me to my days, basically, when you were sharing this, you know, uh, those team meetings, you know, and how many calls did you make and how was the success rate out of it? What's the week look like for you? So, no, it's 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 always been fun to be a part of a Bing BDR. This was this was a great conversation to have, Jeremy, and I think Thank we could talk more about it, no doubt. Uh, but uh, as for today, I think this was super fantastic, super exciting one. Uh, I love those insights that you shared with us basically it makes a lot of difference and of course there will be a lot of listeners who would love to take a deep dive into about their bdrs or something and i'm sure they can always come back and reach out to you if they need 100 <laughs> yeah if I, it's really easy to find me on linkedin obviously we talked yeah. about it earlier you know it's an important tool so you can always find me there uh jeremy yeah. levine at walk me you know reach out love to connect Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for that. Now, uh, to another favorite questions from my side is, I know you've been artist, you have picked up that, but is there anything beyond as a hobby that you've been picking up lately or you've been started thinking about that you would love to do something like this, which you've been missing for some days? Um, I actually just like to paint. You know, it's one of those things where you think about like, oh, you know, I love music. I, we're big, big, big music people in my house. And I raise my children around music and we always have it on. And my daughter is starting oh. to play violin, but I don't play an instrument. My wife doesn't play an instrument. My son doesn't play an instrument. Okay. I, and But we're huge okay. music fans, right? Listen to a huge variety of music. And, and every Fantastic. time like, well, you could go learn to play guitar. I mean, I know you're in your 40s, but, you know, anybody can pick up a guitar and play. I'm like, yeah, but any time I'd be putting into the guitar, I wouldn't be putting into my paintings. And I'd rather be putting time into my yeah, paintings. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I'd rather just get back to the <laughs> hobbies I already have, you know, drinking good wine. And uh, <laughs> okay. it's been challenging. Um, also, I discovered yeah, you, in the winter you, with the closed doors, you, you know, turpentine and work home office don't work really well together. I, it's, it's pretty strong smell <laughs> to sit in a closed room <laughs> for hours. No, this is good one. Okay. Uh, second thing, uh, are you reading anything that you would like to share with uh, our listeners? Or I am an avid reader. Um, I read what I call uh, junk food books. Um, I, I'm a novel. Uh -huh. I, I, I try to read business books. I've got a whole bunch of them and I'll, I'll flip through them. Uh, the book I'm actually trying to read right now, and I'm okay. trying so hard to read it. It is so challenging. Easy way to quit smoking. I'm too ah, to smoke. And I'm sure there's a <laughs> lot of management stuff out happening over there. That's what I'm reading right now. I'm, I'm, you know, I really would like to quit smoking, and 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 that's what I've been reading. But uh, I, I don't know. We just. I read the new Star Wars novels. I thought they were fantastic. <laughs> so that's the last thing that I read. <laughs> my entertainment, my television, I want to escape my mind for like a couple hours or, you know, that's, that's typically the works. So that's the direction I go. You know, I think the other one I was looking at was, 
I started reading the, what was it? The sales development playbook. I think this one, the sales development playbook by Trish. Okay. Bertuzzi. I, we're getting there. We're okay. getting there. It's interesting. It's uh, again, I, I love reading novels across the board. Um, I read tons of them, but uh, it's junk food for the brain, right? <laughs> it's just get me out of the world. No news, no yes. business, no anything. Put me in a fantasy world and, and just let me escape there for a couple hours a day and I'm happy. Absolutely. I, I think I agree to you because it also makes, I'll add a third angle to it. It makes you creative, actually, reading those novels because it's taking you to the altogether different world. You're escaping from the stuff that you've been doing now. And you start thinking a little more creative out of the because those novels are all about creating pictures around you. They make yeah. stories stand in front of you. So, well, fantastic. I think, yeah. Next time, we're going to deep dive a little more on your this book hobby also. Ah, uh, yes. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for the new one. I think a new book just shipped out yesterday and yeah. I'm just dying to get my hands on it. I, it's the second book in the okay. Tron trilogy. Again, I'm a geek through and through. Yesterday was Star Wars Day. So we're, we were celebrating in the house watching the, the new cartoon with the kids. It was very exciting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I've, I've been fond of watching Young Sheldon these days. So that's, okay, that's, that's a something fun which I'm catching up with my kids. We, we that's a fun we watched... one. We just completed all the seasons now. Oh, fun. That's super fun. We, my, my son and I, well, we, we binge watch, he binge watches shows, you know, 13 year old. Uh, and he went through the Brooklyn nine, nine, um, I think twice in like okay. two weeks. It was all he was watching for, I think he's even watching it now. He just came home from school. I, <laughs> but I, okay. I just watched, there was a new show. Um, Shadow and bone was really fun to watch on Netflix. That was a, that was a fun one to watch. Television becomes so serious. You start, you're like, oh, this is so depressing. I don't want this yeah. right now. Like, I just have to go outside for that. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, um, I think our listeners are there. And I think uh, we can keep going on. I know we both I'm can sure just... we, I, I, I do have quite a few one-on-ones this yeah. afternoon. But it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for hosting me. You know, we look forward to the next conversation for sure. Definitely, definitely. And thank you so much for being with us, sharing all the insights that you had or your experiences that you shared. It was definitely insightful. Well, also, thank you so much to all our listeners who keep us motivated to bring in such great shows, great speakers like you and bring in some great topics out of it. Uh, Also, some part of the world is definitely been going through a rough phase. So I pray for them and I hope things will be uh, okay with them so please stay safe and healthy keep your near and dear ones close to your heart keep watching them and yeah thank you so much everybody and i'm signing it off for the day thanks for joining us on this episode of sunny side up if you like what you heard please subscribe rate and review us and share these insights with your peers